Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Last Thursday, Angel Collinson came to Western Colorado University for another edition of our Blister Speaker Series, or I guess you might think of it as a live edition of Deep Dives with Angel, and it included a number of great questions from Western's students. It was great having Angel on campus, and after our talk, we actually hung out for quite a long time with Western's free ride team, continuing to discuss some of the themes that you are about to hear in this conversation, including Angel's ski career, passion, purpose, and how to think about when it might be time to alter the path you're currently on. It's a big topic. Now, we're also going to be posting a video of this speaker series conversation, so if you'd like to watch while you listen, head over to our Blister YouTube channel to check it out, as well as a rapidly growing number of new videos that we are going to be posting every week. Finally, Angel is going to be at our upcoming Blister Summit that takes place this February 4th through the 8th, right here in Mount Crested Butte. So if you'd like to come meet Angel and take some laps with her, or take some laps with Cody Townsend, or Hoji, or Elise Sogstad, or Sander Hadley, and we're going to be making more athlete announcements soon, well, then hurry up and register for the Blister Summit and reserve your spot. It's our favorite week of the winter, and I guarantee that you're going to have a great time at the next Blister Summit. And now, let's get to my conversation with Angel Collinson, live from Western Colorado University. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Blister Speaker Series. We are just going to dive into this because this evening we have with us Angel Collinson. So, <clears throat> Some of you might know Angel and I do a monthly podcast uh, that we call Deep Dives with Angel, and that's over on our Blister podcast. And this is actually the first time we've ever, in effect, started a conversation in person. Just a little, you know, behind the scenes part of this, it just went right into the deep waters of conversation. So uh, there was about 0.7 seconds of small talk, and, uh, and then we were just in it. And this is kind of how it goes with Angel, and it's one of the things that I really appreciate about her and one of the reasons why I'm so excited that she is able to join us here this evening. So, Angel, great to see you. Great to have you in the Gunnison Valley. Thank you. Yeah, actually, we've never met in person before, so yep. it was really great to do the, like, I think I'm in the right parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> Can you come find me? Give me a hug, squeeze. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought it would be appropriate, given that we are on a college campus, one of the things that I wanted to open with was just having Angel actually talk a bit about her education and that part of her backstory. So tell the folks a bit about that. Uh, yeah. 
I'm a college dropout. <laughs> what of all the ways you could have opened? <laughs> I feel like I needed to open up with that. It's sort of like when you meet somebody's parents and you're like, "Yes, I'm a massive failure. Do not get your hopes up." <laughs> um, no, because I mean, like, I was uh, such a dedicated student. Actually, all of my life, like, I love learning. Like, I love learning about so many things. Um, and, you know, in high school, I was on the high honor role. Like, I was, I loved it. And, you know, I came in to college and uh, was balancing, you know, skiing and school and was part of, you know, the, like, honors college program and was doing a lot. So uh, it was in the inter like college for me was a really interesting time because, you know, I feel like we worked so hard in high school to be prepared for college, right? It's like college is everything. You got to work so hard and you sacrifice for a lot of us, like your entire life during high school, like get good grades to like be on all the sports teams to do all the stuff. And you get into college and you're like, okay, now I'm supposed to know what I'm going to do with my life. Like what? I don't know. Um, and you know, some of us do, some of us don't, some of us change our mind. So I came in, um, with like both like a pretty good idea of what I wanted to do and also like no idea of what I wanted to do. Um, I came in and I was like, okay, I want to go into environmental law. I want to go to uh, Harvard grad school. Like I had really good grades. And I also simultaneously was doing like the big mountain programs and uh, the big mountain competitions and like immediately was like, wow, I can't do both. And uh, which one do I choose? And so my dad used to joke like she's a college dropout and I hated it so much when he would say that. And now I can say it with no charge. Um, but it was a really big moment for me to be like, all right, am I going to choose this thing that's so important to me, like skiing? And uh, am I going to give up this other thing that's so important to me, which is like my ideals of environmentalism and academics and all these other things. So, hmm. You didn't mention anything about philosophy. Are you bummed out? Yeah, a little bummed <laughs> out. Our, I looked this up. Our first podcast conversation was early 2016 and that was the conversation unless you were lying to me that you told me that you were a philosophy it's true okay philosophy yeah. student yeah so at that point i declared you my favorite skier and so okay so i just wanted to make sure we get you know some yeah. of that in there but um but so you mentioned environmental law but you were also taking some philosophy courses? Yeah, so, well, basically with uh, the way that the University of Utah worked, um, they didn't have, like, an environmental law program, and so you kind of had to choose, like, what you studied. And so when I came in, I kind of did, you know, the, like, poo-poo platter of, like, what am I interested in? Where do I want to go? And uh, I took an intro to philosophy course and freaking hated it. It was mm. the worst class I ever took. Mm. Uh and then about halfway through, I was like, oh, oh, actually, this is really cool. Actually, this I'm like learning how to think differently. But it took me like it took me like, I don't know, three months to like understand. And all of a sudden, I was three months into this class, intro to philosophy. And I was like, whoa, I'm thinking about every single decision that I make in my life in a totally different way. Like 
how do I rationalize when I go to the desert with my friends and we're camping? And do we lift a rock up and poop under it and put toilet paper? Like, if I do this, if we all do this, if everyone were to do this, would this work? Um, so I started to think about like all of the ways that I live my life and the ways that I like intellectualize and moralize and make everything okay. And like for me, I was kind of more on the Kantian philosophy where it's like, if everyone were to do the thing that I am doing right now, would society work? Would the planet hold up? Would the environment hold up? And I realized that that was so cool to like really understand that there's like uh, like all of these systems that people have been thinking about for a long time on how to think about it, but more how to relate to other people in how we think about the way that we interact with ourselves, with other people, with the environment. So I hated the first three months of philosophy. And then I was like so sold and it was like a really fast transition. So yeah, it was um, philosophy. And then the other part was uh, international relations, mm -hmm. which also the same thing, the intro to international relations, I was like, I hadn't really thought about, you know, the importance of why do we think it's important to conceptualize ourselves as countries or nations? Like, why do we feel like we need to place these, you know, geographical boundaries? What does that mean? What does it mean with the resources? Like, and expanding on that, both like philosophically, geographically, the political implications, the historical implications, what that means as we also think about, you know, like the geopolitical forces of, you know, the U.S. as being really innovative, the like Chinese as being like very, very smart, but like mostly following trends. Like that was really cool. So basically I started really studying philosophy and international relations and environmental studies and kind of like took it from there. And was really psyched on everything until skiing was like, hey, so North Face wants you to be a global athlete and they want you to go climb and ski Kilimanjaro in September. Hmm. Can you do that? <laughs> and I'm like, cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> when my semester starts. I can't. And then I was like, all right, well, what do I do? So that was literally the kind of trigger that trip do you want to go on this trip do you want this opportunity with the north face that's that was the brass tax moment for you yeah there was a couple at all at the same time that were very similar to that yeah, yeah. smith was like they needed me to go on a photo shoot in bariloche it was all like awesome stuff like very yeah. very cool right and i was like "Ooh, sorry i can't i need to go sit in a classroom um and then i'd never ever ever considered not going to school because I'd love, like, I yeah. love school so much. I love learning. And I think in our society, uh, you know, we've paved like college as the way and not that it's not the way, but it had never crossed my mind to like use college as an adaptive thing that I could also jump back into later in my life. And so when these, uh, moments came and my, I, I was like, okay, well, no, I can't go to Kilimanjaro. No, I can't go to Bariloche. Like I'm having to say no to a bunch of things that these sponsors are like, all right, cool. Well, we just signed you on the athlete team. And you're like, supposed to do this stuff. I called my parents and I was like, what if I don't 
sign up for fall semester. And I was on an academic full ride. So it was like a big deal. But I was like, I'm also making more money from these other opportunities, like more than the academic full ride is worth for the first time in my life. Like I grew up poor as I'll get out. So like the academic full ride was everything. And so when I started making money from my ski career, I was like, whoa, I can pay for my college actually now. Like I have like a means to pay for my education for the first time ever. Um, and my parents were like, college is always going to be there. Hmm. And if you really love something, you can always dive back into it. And you will, if, if you're meant to, like, you're going to want to dive back in. You're going to want to learn more. And also like certain life opportunities will go by. They're like, they will pass you by. And I was like, all right. I didn't sign up for a fall semester course. And I feel like this is so sacrilegious to be saying at a Colorado, a Western Colorado University speech. But it was such a pivotal moment in my experience of being like, education is nonlinear. It encompasses all age ranges, like all interests. You know, we think like you have to go to high school, then you have to do this thing, which is college. And then you move on from college and you get a job. But like now I've completed this entire ski career and I'm like, what if I go study music? What if I actually go to like Boulder and I really get into music? And so I'm like looking at going to school again in this completely different realm and aspect. And so I think education is like so beautiful and nonlinear. And I think if we can embrace it with like all of the passion that we feel for it and like follow that and also like not hold it so tightly it's like a beautiful dance that's tough hmm. one of the things when talking to college students or graduate students for me is it is an amazing opportunity to be a student and you talked about that for many of us certainly in this country it is a bit like, cool, you're done with elementary school, you're going to middle school, and then you are going to high school, and then you're going to college. And I think a number of students do end up at a university pretty unsure why they're there, not ready to dive into something. And I think that was always the kind of advice I would give. I would, frankly, rather someone take some time off until they were ready it's not that you have to know the exact specific course of study, but that you are open and ready to dive into whatever course of study you have the opportunity uh, to embark on, uh, you know, uh, in university life. And I think that is the, I think that's something you would agree with. Um, and um, if I would say, if that's somebody who's like, I don't know why I'm here and I'm not really optimizing my time maybe step away. But for anybody else, man, you're here. Take advantage of it because you will not be a student your whole life. And um, I don't know. I think those are, those are some of the really interesting things. Um, I, I think you are someone who has proven to be a student for life. But I think sharing a bit about the exact moments when you walked away from what you always viewed as kind of an inevitable uh, you know, academic track. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. Fast forward. Turns out Angel's real good at skiing. I'm sure you've seen some of 
her segments, skiing stupid, gnarly stuff, making it look incredible. But then, arguably at the height of your powers, you choose to walk away from a professional ski career. And that that announcement happened, we're just about two years ago. Talk a little bit about the fact that I think many people would have viewed the life you were living, literally many skiers would have looked at that and said, that's absolutely the dream. She is actually living the dream. And so when you hear that today, what do you think about that, that notion? Uh, you've had a couple years off in a way. What do you think about that, this notion of walking away from for what for many people would literally have been a life of which they couldn't imagine something better? Mm. I really love this question um, because <clears throat> I think it's a deeply personal quest that we all have, <clears throat> which is what is it that we really love? and that we really want to do for ourselves. And for me, skiing was something that I grew up in and I was really good at. And I realized it was like my ticket out of childhood poverty. Uh, it was my ticket like out. And I worked really hard at it. I had a natural talent. Um, I actually thought that when I went to college that I was like done with skiing. And when I found my way back mm. into big mountain skiing, like for fun, and then it became a career, like it was totally accidental. But the theme that I want to speak to around this is um, the expectations that we feel from society and from our parents around what we should do because we're good at it because uh, our lives revolve around it because um, everyone else would love this thing that we have. And I think a lot of us have something like that in our lives where um, we might not totally be doing it for us. And so it was really interesting because I like accidentally became a professional skier and I loved it, right? Like, I mean, traveling the world and being like in a lot, like there was no moment of being in the greatness of this career and in this sport that like I didn't appreciate. Like it was amazing. It was so cool, uniquely cool, mind-blowing, like being in glaciers and being with like Seth Morrison and Sage and like watching like the greatest of the great shred lines right in front of you live. Like it was so cool. It was so cool. And also I didn't want it to be my everything, you know? So all of a sudden, very quickly, it was like my everything and like my entire life had to revolve around it. And like, that was cool for a while until I was like, and also like, I want to sail the world. I want to like learn music. I want to do all these other things with my life, but I'm stuck here. And I felt really guilty that I didn't love skiing more. And so for a lot of my career, I actually carried a lot of guilt. I'd be at the powder awards. I was winning, you know, I was like winning these awards and like readers poll or, you know, best female segment or best line. And I was like deep in me. I was like, 
I don't like love, love, love this thing in the way that so many people love this thing. And I'm like doing this dream that everyone else wants so badly. I felt really guilty because I was doing this thing that so many people dream of so deeply. And it, it wasn't like my deepest, deepest dream. I felt so bad. And, um, and I carried that for a while. And I was like, all right, like, how long do you live doing a thing because everyone else thinks it's the coolest thing and it's like the thing for everyone else? Like, how long do you do that for, you know? <clears throat> and finally, I was like, I'm like, I'm ready for, I'm ready for me. I'm ready for like whatever it is that I want to do. And the problem was I didn't know what that was. Uh, and that was the hardest part. But I met my partner, Pete. I'd always had this dream of sailing around the world. Uh, like it came pretty organically that I was like, okay, I kind of see a way out, like buying a sailboat, sailing around the world, but you know, navigating, exiting skiing and all of my contracts, you know, was a, a process. But again, what I want to highlight that I think is like this universal concept is, um, when we do these things for other people, it's so deeply personal sometimes why we think we should be doing this thing. Like our parents want this of us. Our grandparents want this thing of us. Our partner wants this thing of us. Um, like it doesn't matter what it is that we're doing. If we're not totally doing it for us, it's okay to recognize like, I don't really want to be doing this thing. And I actually want to be doing something different. And it's also okay to know or to not know what it is that you really want to be doing. It's okay to feel like, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want to be doing. It's not this thing that I'm doing right now and I'm going to find it. And so I hope that, you know, as we go on through this conversation or, you know, my story gives anyone here or anyone listening to this podcast, like the hope that, if you're doing something in your life or if you're committed to something in your life, not totally for you, that you can like find a way to let go what needs to be let go and like jump into something that you don't even know what it is. And trust me, you will find the lily pad and the footing <laughs> and the next steps, even if they're unclear right now, because that has been, yeah, my journey. Hmm. Lily pads was the name of an open mic piece. Well, I think we settled on that title. Yeah. Um, this has been another thing that's been really cool. In addition to a monthly conversation that Angel and I have, she's also been writing a monthly piece for this series we have called Open Mic. And so it's been a really fun, I know once a month we're going to have an hour or something long conversation to kind of catch in, talk about some big topics and big ideas. But then to see what you're thinking about, um, and I don't, I never know what you're going to turn in ever uh, on the open mic piece. But um, anyway, so that that has been a really interesting um, dynamic, kind of of the last this last year. But I want to stay on this particular idea of the not knowing what the next thing is, because I bet a lot of you out there are like, okay, I've probably been in, at some position in life where whatever it is I'm about or doing, I'm kind of over it or ready to move on. 
But let's talk a little bit about the, but I don't know what the next thing is. That takes a lot of nerve. That probably takes some amount of financial resources or figuring out how you afford life if you give up, if it's a career and you're just like, well, I'm not into that, so I'm going to nothing. Like, Talk a little bit about some of the things you've done or strategies or advice to make that an actually viable thing for someone to do, to quit something, to go into the I don't know what phase. Yeah, I mean, it's terrifying. Even if you're like, maybe you're looking at completing your college degree and you're like, I don't really want to go right into work or whatever. There's a million, like what I've learned is that there will never be a period where you don't encounter this thing. Like this is the thing that you always encounter. You're like, okay, I'm doing this thing and I need to do another thing. And oftentimes like the transition is not seamless. Um, And oftentimes there's this like thing that happens where who you are or what you do, whether it's sports or academics or whatever, you are ready to make a change. And the thing about change is that it inevitably means you're doing something different afterwards, like something you haven't done before. And that is always so hard and it's so uncomfortable. And I think in society, we don't talk about it a lot. Like you watch, you like, you watch your friends or you watch somebody like on this trajectory, right? They like, they quit their job. They move to a new city. They move into a different home. They get a different job. And you like watch them make all of these changes. And on the outside, it seems so easeful. But when you actually know somebody or when it's actually you doing the thing, like it is fraught with like questions and how am I going to make it work? And what do I love? And how am I going to make money now? Is it going to be enough? Can I put enough savings in for kids? Like there's so much that goes into all of these changes that we make in our life. And especially when we're like, is this giving my life meaning? Do I love this thing? Like, is this the thing that I want to be doing? Or am I like wasting my time or whatever? Like, you know, then there's all these philosophical components that come into it. And so I guess like what I have learned from my own experience of these transitions is like, there's no uh, magical answer or like super supplement or powder that we can drink or answer or whatever. It's more just like the ability to sit in the discomfort of not knowing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. sort of like when you do your best on the test and you're like, I maybe did great. I maybe failed it. But that moment of being like, it is what it is. I did my best. And it's uncomfortable because I don't know the outcome yet. Like that sort of like liminal space is so potent, I think, uh, for just like seeing life through. And that's what I feel like I've been really practicing as I, you know, I quit skiing. (laughs) I'm like, cool. I've been a skier my entire life. It's pretty much the only thing I know how to do well (laughs) for 30 years. Now I'm going to learn how to sail I don't know how to sail. I'm going to learn how to cook. I don't know how to cook. Like, you know, doing all these new things and sucking at them, surfing, whatever, like going through customs, not speaking other languages. 
but just being like, all right, cool. I suck at a lot of stuff. I don't know how to do a lot of stuff and that's okay. And having the humility of being like, I don't know what I'm doing and that's okay. And I'm going to figure it out, uh, has been such a humbling dance that has like brought this, it's almost like if you're making a stew and you're adding these spices and you're letting them simmer and like the flavor is coming out. It's like this uh, flavor of humility when you sit in discomfort, the way that that flavor will always add to your life is indescribable. And so for me, there's no magic answer to sitting with the unknown or sitting with discomfort, but like the trust that you have in yourself and the humility that comes with each of these things is uh, priceless. Like and you encounter it time and time and time again. I want to stick on one, I keep using the word brass tacks, but when you're making a shift like this, you talked about you were doing pretty well as a pro skier in that career. You walked away from that. One other thing that I think it's so, you've talked about growing up, you didn't, there wasn't a lot of money rolling around. And so I feel like this is almost just baked into your kind of DNA, but I think it's an important thing for maybe a lot of people to hear one thing is if you're walking away from a job, a career, whatever, and you're leaping to the next, well, into the unknown, reduce your expenses. And that is a thing that I do think keeps a lot of people stuck in a job or, you know, money, money counts, I think, in America. And I think one of the things you've shown is a willingness to forego a lot of luxuries, but luxuries that other people would call necessity. Like I'm not living without that. And that is, it's one of the reasons I always talk about Thoreau's Walden. He opens the whole book with the chapter called economy. And he's like, if you're a poor student trying to figure out what's worth valuing and what isn't first thing you can do to buy yourself some time, lower your expenses. And it seems real simple to say out loud, but turns out there's real truth to it. And I think that can really be a thing, you know, perhaps it's particularly relevant in America or, you know, certain other, you know, European countries. If you're trying to make this leap, how do you actually go about it? You spoke really well to some sort of the psychology of jumping into the unknown, but then there's the like brass tax financial element of like reduce your spending. And that, I mean, you agree with this or, I mean... I don't want to what put words in your mouth, but I think it's something that you have actively demonstrated on this front. I think this is a really interesting topic to talk about right now, like based on like real estate prices and rent prices and especially like in mountain towns where, you know, like <clears throat> we can barely keep the workers of the towns uh, affordably housed. So it's like this interesting line where life is getting really expensive mm -hmm. and like our hobbies are really expensive and like, how do we balance it? And it's not so cut and dry as like, just don't buy that avocado toast, mm -hmm. you know, don't go out to the movies. If you do, don't buy popcorn. Like it's, it's not so simple. I grew up so frugal, right? Like 
I grew up so poor and so frugal. And there's so many stories I could share about that. You know, I was like, if we got 4.0s in our report cards, we go to Taco Bell and get 25 cent tacos. Yes. But what I've learned about growing up really poor and really frugal is that I actually, I don't want to live that way now. And I don't have to. Like, I actually really love being able to go out to dinner with friends once in a while. And I know I can make that happen. Um, I also can't afford a home right now. And that's okay. So I think that like the the conversation around like how do we budget, what's affordable, especially with our hobbies, especially in these mountain communities, like it's very interesting. I can't speak very well to it right now, but what I can say is that um, really like personally recognizing like how do I want to live, what can I afford, what can I prioritize, and for me personally, I love um, occasionally nice meals, but I love services. I love spending money on like uh, things that other people do for me that they do really well. Like I love spending money on that and I don't need to own a lot of items. And so that's how I rationalize it. And so I think the conversation around like how do we live within our means is interesting in these times and it's very personal and there's no right way to do it. And like looking at like, what do I love? What do I like love spending money on? What's cool? And what can I cut back on? Like, I know all of you guys are already doing this all of the time, but just validating like what you all feel as important is important. Like prioritize it. Hmm. And the things that aren't important, look at that and like give yourselves permission to cut it out. That's all I have to say about that. Hmm. Yeah. I feel like in a number of our conversations, we end up talking about purpose and passion. And I want to kind of give you free reign to take those big topics anywhere you like. But I'll just maybe sprinkle this in. You've already talked a bit about in your own life, your passions have shifted, right? And I think for many of us, we can expect that to happen to us. Something we were, whatever, think about what you were most passionate about when you were like 11 years old. Probably a little different maybe than what you're thinking about today or when you were eight years old, right? Well, you don't, for many of us, those things don't stay static in life. And so what are your thoughts about you can take purpose and passion and how those things come together more generally, or this idea that you are an example of this. These things can change over time. What are you paying attention to to decide if that's just a temporary distraction? Don't worry about that. Stay focused versus like, oh, here's a bit of the things I'm looking for to be like, this might be time for, to make a hard pivot. Um. I feel like most of my life I've been plagued, as probably many of you have, by what is my purpose? Like, why am I here? What's my gift? What am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be contributing to this world? Um, and for the record, I never felt like skiing was a part of it. I never felt like skiing was my purpose. Um, and... I think this question humanity has been asking for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Like, why am I here? 
And so I think that purpose and passion, they can coincide. I don't necessarily think that they always do. And I really love this uh, perspective that I heard a few years ago, which uh, came from this old uh, Hindi, like Nepalese woman. Because, you know, as I have mentioned, I studied environmental studies and I was like, you know, we are stewards of this earth. Like, how are we even going to continue living on this thing? How are we going to have kids if we like screw this all up and don't have fresh water and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And um, I heard this podcast with this, with this Nepalese woman and she was like, how egotistical is it of us to think that the earth isn't going to be fine and that everything that we do is uh, in like greater uh, importance than what the earth is doing. Like, why do we think everything that we do is going to serve the earth better than what she can do for herself? And I really thought deeply about that. And what she was saying was she was in this, as she continued on in her very eloquent speech, which I won't, a lot of times with my friends, I'll like imitate her Hindi accent. I won't do it here. Um, I do love imitating accents, but um, she was like, she was like, what if we were just here to dance? What if we were just here to laugh, to be human, to be ourselves, to enjoy this existence, to maximize every single thing that we could do here, to ski, to bike, to learn, to enjoy lovership. Like what if all of those things were of the greatest service to the earth? And what if the earth just wanted us to dance on her and to sing and to love and of course to be conscious of our contributions and to not do harm? But what if the worst harm we could do was to be fearful of what was happening and to like introduce fear of what we're doing or how to interact with her. Like, what if we just danced? And that really changed me and my, uh, my thoughts about purpose and passion, because when I think about what I'm really passionate about, it is like those things. It's dancing. It's late nights with my partner, Pete. It's like skiing on powder days. It's like when I hear the really good song that you just can't get enough of and you put it on repeat, like those moments of being human are so sacred. And I love that thought of like, what if that is the greatest contribution to the planet and to like being here and to our purpose of being alive? Hmm. And I think about that a lot. And so when I think about like my passion, it's like, what makes me feel so joyous to dance here now? Like, and it changes. Sometimes it's the perfect bike ride in the fall colors. Sometimes it's the perfect ski run. Sometimes it's that I want a nap. Like it's ever changing. And when I let go of the concept of like, what is my greater narrative of how I'm going to make a difference here? Like, what if I write a book? What if I create this legacy? 
what if throughout my like after my ski career i create this program for young women like right i have all of these dreams of things that i want to do with my life and what i've created and not to say those aren't important and not to say i'm not going to do stuff with that but there's also this element of um what if also the most important thing is to just enjoy it and to spread the pure joy of being here. And everything that I create is just a part of that joy. And that is honestly what feels the most true as I get older and as I navigate these different chapters and as I learn about the oceans and the coral reefs and the tides and like this other world that I didn't even know about, you know, with ocean ecosystems. It's like, there is so much going on on this planet that we have no idea about. Like we are tiny specks. And I really, really do believe that the greatest contribution that we can do is to offer like the most heartfelt joy of dancing here that we can. But I also happen to know you are in fact writing a book now you are also about to take a group of people into the desert that's coming up very shortly. Four days. Four days. (laughs) You write these open mic pieces and many people comment how helpful they find them uh, on a pretty deep level, right? Wrestling with big topics. So I hear you and I love this notion like, hey, what if the most important thing is that we dance and appreciate this life, find joy in it, but you also are somebody who I feel like you are saying that and mean it, but you are also doing these things, um, I think, to try to help other people as well. Um, So I'm... Yeah. I don't mean to contradict. Yeah. I'm how how do you um and I mean you've already said so you might say yes that's true but still let's dance. So the the saying that comes to mind one of my mentors she always says first it's for you and then it's for the world. And what she means by that is when we do these things in life that we deeply desire like they're for us. Like I need to do this thing. I want to do this thing. Like we're called to do these things and like maybe it's study philosophy or maybe it's like learn how to ski this line or whatever. Like we're deeply called to do these things um, for us, right? And following those calls for us are super important. And oftentimes, almost always what happens when we follow these things for ourselves, when it manifests outward, it also becomes of service to the world. And I would say my life is like an example of that. And so I follow these things, I dance for me. And when I dance, the like ripples and the repercussions of it are meaningful. And I think when we follow these, these dances for our own selves, it's, it's both purely selfish and it's also completely unselfish it's both in total service and i think that that like nuanced relationship is something that our society does not do a great job of 
talking about, of capturing, of explaining, like mm-hmm. there's a very, very cool interrelationship that I have witnessed and I think is so important. Um, that is what I'm trying to speak to. Mm-hmm. I want to open this up now uh, to some of your questions. And I believe we have two microphones uh, that we can use to articulate or enunciate your questions. So um, raise your hand, Kara and Dylan. Kara over here, Dylan over here, if you have questions. And I think we have our first right here. Hello. Me standing up. I am so curious. You talked a lot about skiing. What is your relationship to it now? It wasn't your purpose, but when you were talking about that dance with the universe, you were prouder. So you obviously love it. I'm just curious. Where are you at now? Yeah. That is a great question. <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> uh, well, I haven't skied since I retired. Um, you know, 2021. I kind of like ended my career, set off on the sailboat, um, and skiing sort of felt like a long, t- like lifelong lovership for me. You know, it like gave me so many things. It was this very intimate like uh, thing that I did, you know, my whole life. And I have no idea what it's going to feel like when I put skis on again. I'm, I'm like both excited and I'm terrified. Um, you know, I, I'm going to put skis on again and I'm not going to be as good at it as I used to be. <laughs> and that like, I just know that and that sucks. Uh, and also like, it's probably going to be so liberating that like, you know, you identify so much as this one thing and then to like do it in a different way is probably going to be so cool. Um, but I honestly have no idea what my relationship to skiing is about to be. Um, But like always, always, always skiing has been for me a relationship to like explore myself, my own limitations, my own fears, like to, you know, look at a 50 foot cliff and be like, I don't want to do it and then figure out how to do it. And uh, also to look at a 50 foot cliff and be like, I don't want to do it and be like, cool. I'm not going to do it. This isn't the day. Actually, I never want to do that again or whatever, right? Like skiing for all of us, any sport, anything in life for us, I believe, is always a platform for us to learn about ourselves, to express ourselves, to like get really good at something or to just like learn more. And that's what skiing was for me. And so I know that like that's what it's going to continue to be is a way to learn more about myself. And I think the way that it is going to show me that is in ways that I have no idea until I do it again. So thanks for the question. Um, you kind of touched on this a little bit before already, uh, but what do you think the line is like between personal growth and previous and even like future commitments you may have? So should you put commitments you already have um, in front of as like you as a person and how you want to grow. So if I understand you right, what I'm hearing is like a personal pursuit versus something that is maybe like expected on the outside as being necessary. Yeah. Yeah. So common, right? (laughs) So common. Um, I was just talking about this 
<clears throat> with my friend actually this morning where it's like that balance that we all have of doing something that we know we need to do or we know is good for us. And then, you know, the other thing, which is like doing something that serves other people. And I just think, like, that dance never ends. Mm -hmm. Like, it never ends. It's always there. And um, also, no one else will ever understand our reasons for doing the thing that we do. And something that I've been working a lot on lately for my own personal journey has been, uh, you might not see that from my ski career, but something I do in my personal life is I self-sacrifice a lot for other people. And I was just at Burning Man. I just had this whole experience where I was like, all right, how do I really make my future dreams possible? Like, how do I really do the thing that I want to do for me? And what I realized like in this flash instant, I was like, I have to start doing less for other people. I always put other people first. And I think that it's pretty common in our society to uh, people please, you know, to fit in with our families and with society. It's really hard to honor ourselves and what we need, especially if it seems selfish uh, for no reason, for our own pleasure, for our own, like, you know, non-monetary needs or non-familial needs, it's really hard to be like, I'm going to do this thing for me. So I'm currently just really trying to commit to being like, for my own experience in this own moment, I am really like leaning into studying music. And I just signed up to study music two times a week. It's the first time I've like committed to anything of like having to be in one place two times a week for six months since I was in college. Uh, but what it means for me is like having to say no to different engagements or different people or a different family and being like, I have this thing that I need to do. I have this thing that I want to do and it's important. Um, but what's underneath that all, I think, is our own confidence in ourselves of this is actually valid. It's actually super important that I do this for me. And even if it's for play, even if it's for fun, uh, like we all know what we need. And it's really hard to stand in that, especially when we're in these relationships where people expect us to give a lot or to show up a lot, or there's like codependent dynamics where it's like they need us to like show up in this way that like isn't super healthy. And we all know that. And to stand in the place of being like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do this thing for me is like so hard. So I don't know if this answer is like where you're at, but I just, encourage you that if you're feeling a call to do something for you purely for your own want like that is great and so valid and so actually important for you and all of us in our own path like do it and it's okay if the other person doesn't understand they might never they might like 
never get it, and that is okay. And it's really hard, but that's okay. I want to actually, I think it's a really interesting question, and I want to add the element of discipline because you brought up the example of like, I really want to go skiing. I really should finish this homework or a project or whatever. And so you use the word like you, if and when you feel called to do something, but there is also an element to life of discipline that is about doing stuff that you do not want to do. And that's the only way you get great at anything. So how do you think about those kind of competing facts? I think that's a really great question because, um, you know, the reason why I got so good at skiing was because, like, I was incredibly disciplined. Like, it was all I did. Like, drills, you know, five days a week. I was weightlifting six days a week in the summer. Like, I didn't have anything else. So there was so much discipline. And it was, it was like an immersion, right? That was what like gifted me the skill was like the, the consistent honing. Uh, and so I believe that discipline is like so important. And I also think that there's an element of, um, of choice that's also important. Like as we're in our adult lives, it's like, even for right now, it's like, uh, it sounds so funny. I'm using like music as the example, but it's like, I want to get so fucking good at music and I have no idea where to start. Like I grew up as an athlete and like, I have a lot of musical talent, but trying to figure out what to do with it. I feel like I'm just a total noob and it's like terrifying and it's really humbling. And, uh, yeah. So to like, figure out what discipline looks like versus devotion or commitment is I don't know that I have a great answer for that I think it's very like I don't know independent but I maybe I'll like toss it over to you and see what you think about it (laughs) well sorry I'm cutting into your time actually one of the things we were talking about um kind of backstage (laughs) was this notion of let me say it the right way, being a 100% yes. And in that element, maybe it's the sort of thing where, you know, where we are making sacrifices, we're giving up opportunities to pursue something and be incredibly disciplined in it. We probably can check in with ourselves of like, is this still a path that I'm into? And um, now... If you're, you know, an elementary student, probably a lot less freedom and choices to make, right? But, you know, the older you get, um, there might be these opportunities. And so I think, you know, to live a very disciplined life, I think, is a virtue in a lot of ways. But check in with yourself, like, is this, in fact, the trajectory that I am still excited about and passionate about on a broad level? And that brings the clarity and the the kind of, I guess, why to why you're making sacrifices on the daily to get great at a given thing or to serve another person, et cetera. So that's maybe one answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, you know, I feel like everyone in this room is here because they know something that they're passionate about, right? Like 
I don't know how many of you live in Gunnison or near Gunnison, but like you probably live in this area because you love something about what you do here and you're willing to arrange your life around it, you know? So like that feeling of being willing to be like, hey, I am down to like totally rearrange my life to make this thing work. Like that's it. That is it. And like that there doesn't have to be much more and you don't have to get rich from it. Like you don't have to um, like there doesn't have to be this huge aha like point of existence. Like I think we all understand the profundity of the moments right in fall where we're like biking through the trees and the leaves are falling and we're just like this is so freaking cool or when we're skiing like you are all here because you understand what it's like to design your life around something that is meaningful for you so i feel like everyone here already understands that and i don't necessarily think that everyone in the world or even in the u.s knows that feeling mm. so i think like the fact that you're here right now is very cool because i think you already know what it's like to choose something in your life at the expense of doing something else or going somewhere else or making more money or doing whatever like you're already choosing something because it's really important to you and i think that is important hmm. um when you walked away from skiing and walking away from like companies that had like stability there how do you maintain like good relationships with people doing that but also keep yourself from um i'm looking at walking away from job that I just yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I think so much of it comes from our solidity in ourself. I was so terrified to tell, like, for example, um, I was in the middle of a three-year contract with North Face, and I was like, I got to bounce early. And they can technically take away all of the funds that they've paid you in those entire three years. I didn't necessarily think they were going to do that, but that was a possibility. I was like, ooh, I could look at losing a lot of money that I can't lose right now. Um, so I think what it came down to for me that was really terrifying was being like, how much do I believe in this thing that I want to go towards? How much do I believe in myself and who I am? And uh, I think sometimes in life, we feel really seen by the people that we're surrounded by, uh, the people that we're working with, by our fellow like colleagues or students. Sometimes we feel really seen and it feels great. And I, if you feel that, I encourage you to lean into it um, and to like draw on that, to be like, I know people see me in this way. I know I bring this value. I know that like, even though I'm leaving this thing, people know me as being hardworking, dedicated or whatever, it, it, whatever those qualities are. Um, for me, I was like, I feel that when I leave skiing, people will see me for more than being just a skier. Like they'll see me for where I want to go and they'll want that for me, you know? And so I was so terrified to tell everyone that I was leaving skiing it was, I, I mean, I like put it off for like six months. And when I finally had all the conversations with my sponsors of being like, all right, so I'm like not going to ski anymore. 
all of my sponsors and all of my athlete managers, they were like, and I also know it was because of the way that I brought it to them. And I was like, because when I brought it to them, I was like, all right, guys, here's the shtick. I'm not going to ski anymore. And I am so excited about it because here is what I'm excited about. I'm sitting around the world with my partner. I'm doing all these cool life things I've always wanted to do. I feel really great about it. I'm psyched. I'm really sad I'm not going to ski. I'm really sad I'm not going to work with you anymore. And also, I'm so excited about life. And when I brought it in that way, all of my sponsors were like, oh, my God. I am so excited for you to do this life adventure. That is so cool. I wish I could do that. All of my athlete managers were like, damn, can you take me with you? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no. But if I think if you like bring it, bring any of your situations in that way, where you're like, hey, I'm not doing this thing anymore because I'm so excited about this possibility. And you really stand for the possibility of the life that you're creating for yourself, it invites the other people uh, an opportunity to be excited for you for that. And it also shows them what else is possible because maybe they don't also, like maybe they don't want to be doing the thing they want to do. You know, like we're all sometimes stuck in the thing. And when we make these changes that are really hard and we disrupt the systems that are really hard, but we do it in like a positive and inspiring way and we stand for the joy that is possible, the change that is possible, like, the life that we're creating, um, it invites other people into the excitement. Um, does that answer your question good enough? Okay. Yeah. Well, Angel, uh, once again, another good conversation. And thank you all for the great questions uh, tonight. We will be hanging out for a bit. Feel free to say hi to Angel. And uh, another great speaker series, I think. I really appreciate it. Just thinking through... The folks that we've had from different walks to share their experiences, um, it's been really cool. And um, once again, uh, another good conversation. Thank you for sharing your insights. And uh, we'll do this again real soon, Angel. Thanks. I always just really appreciate your uh, gift of like bringing so uh, much of all of ourselves and the athletes and our stories out. Hmm. It's a rare platform that we get to share all of this mm. so thank you thank all of you well done well that's it for this edition of the blister podcast i want to say thanks to angel for another terrific conversation and again also i want to say thanks to western students for providing your own great questions and then per usual i want to say thanks to taylor ahern for producing this episode and don't forget angel is going to be at our upcoming blister summit that's this february 4th through the 8th right here in mount Preston butte we'll include a link in the show notes of this episode where you can get a lot more information and go ahead and register it's going to be an amazing week, and we hope to see you there. All right, everybody, take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we will talk to you again real soon.